Hello, and you're very welcome to Mindset on You podcast with me, Audrin Fitzgerald. I try to release every Tuesday. So sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the podcast. And remember, folks, to tell your friends that uh, we're available on Spotify, Apple Tunes, Apple Music, pretty much anywhere you get your um, normal podcast from. Um, So if you think somebody might like this, then uh, send it to them. Hopefully they'll get a giggle out of it. I don't have any guests on tonight, so it's just me. Uh, but a friend of mine did say to me, he said, Odie, there's a lot of little stories that you have in that brain of yours. How about you share a couple of them? <laughs> and uh, he, he mentioned a couple in particular. So that's what I'm here to do tonight um, or today or tomorrow or yesterday or whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast. So I'm going to start off with the story about the leprechauns. Yes, I said it. The story about the leprechauns. So I moved over here to America about five years ago. I think it was five five years ago in April or in February. And when I moved over here first, I was working for an Irish company. I know I, I don't work with them anymore. I'm working for a different company now. Um, but when I got there, there was a few Irish guys working there. And one of them said to me, he said, Odie, come on, we're hitting the town tonight. Now, the closest town to us is Anderson. But there's a college town not too far away. It's called Clemson. You've probably heard of it. They've got a really famous uh, football team, a college football team, the Clemson Tigers. Well, anyway, we went into Clemson one night. Uh, It was during um, the football season. And it was when one of the football games was being played. So we went to the game. Uh, The game was great. Had a great time there. Everybody was there. There was like 80,000 people in this stadium. And we decided we'll make a night of it. So we go out on the town. We went to a club. Now, I won't say the name of the club, but uh, it was over 21s. So we went in and um, we got chatting. We were sitting at the, standing at the bar having a few beers. And next thing, a girl comes up to me and starts talking to me. That's fine. I really had no interest, none whatsoever. It was just I was out for a few drinks with one of the guys and we were having a bit of fun. And she said something to me and then I started talking back. And the first thing she noticed was, oh my God, you've got an Irish accent. I was like, well, I do. And then the guy that was with me turned around. We're going to call him, for the purposes of the show, Jim. That's not his real name. Jim turns around and he says, oh yeah, oh sure, we're over from Ireland. Uh, we're farming out some leprechauns. Now, this girl, we'll call her Mary. Mary said, you're farming out leprechauns. I said, yeah. Jim says, we're farming out leprechauns. I says, yeah. I said, Jim here, his father breeds them and uh, we bring them over here and, uh, you know, people order them and we'll bring them over. We're like leprechaun wranglers. And this poor girl, she didn't believe us. She couldn't. But then we were getting more in depth into it. And uh, Jim was saying, oh, we do. We uh, we farmed them out now and uh, you have to find the bull leprechaun first and you mate him with a few cows and uh, he'll give you a couple of small little leprechauns and uh, they're, they're, uh, they grow to full size in about four weeks and you can ship them out then. And she says, uh, well, what do you feed them? Uh, you don't need to feed them. You just, uh, you know, they'll live for about three or four weeks and then they'll die and then they'll go back up to leprechaun heaven and they'll be fine. So she still wasn't, she she wasn't sure if she was buying it 
But we made the backstory so convincing, the fact that stag parties have them and like uh, box parties and hen parties and girls nights out and, you know, bachelor parties, all these people kind of have them and, you know, up around St. Patrick's Day, it's getting very busy and we have a lot of lot of leprechauns on order and we have to ship them over and, and we can't ship them by normal methods, we can't send them by sea, we have to send them by magic wishes and they arrive to the, the where they get to and... And uh, she was saying, how do you transport them? I said, oh, you transport them in boxes, but we make sure that there's shamrocks inside the box and everything. Now, we didn't think much of it, and she stayed talking to us, and a few of her friends, they all came around us, and they were, oh, listen to the Irish guys talking. But anyway, about maybe six months ago, like, we're back up in present day, I was telling a friend of mine this, and he started laughing and I says, what are, you, what are you laughing at? And he said the name of the club. And I said, yeah. Now, I hadn't told him the name of the club. And he said that he worked, or he was friends with a girl that worked in the nightclub. And she said that there was a couple of American girls were looking for the two Irish leprechaun wranglers about a week after we had been there. <laughs> so... <laughs> She had, uh, the girl that worked there, she said that the two girls came in looking for the Irish guys, that they wanted to place an order for a leprechaun. (laughs) One of their their friends was getting married and having a bachelorette party. So these two girls walked into the club and said, does anybody know the Irish leprechaun wranglers? (laughs) That somebody wanted to book them. (laughs) I mean, seriously. And, you know, the worst part of this whole story, I don't know if it's the worst part or the best part of it, is that I wasn't drinking. I was stone cold sober. So we managed to convince, I'd say about 25 or 30 people in the space of a week that went on to about three or four weeks that we were growing leprechauns in Ireland. Now, I have to admit, these people had a few drinks on board. So, but seriously... Either we're very good storytellers, the fact that they were believing that we actually reared leprechauns, or I don't know, but story got back to a friend of mine that there was two Irish guys, two young Irish guys were breeding and selling and wrangling off leprechauns. Uh, A few of you know or don't know that I used to live in Galway for a while when I was younger. Uh, I actually lived there when I was an apprentice serving my time as a toolmaker. So, uh, now, I was living out in Atten Rai. Now, a few of you have heard of Atten Rai before. Um, there's a song about it. Lie low, the fields of Atten Rai. Anyway, I was living there, and I really enjoyed living there. But um, I needed to move into the city. Now, I was friends with a few people in the city, and uh, there was a house full of girls. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Well, I was a young fella, but uh, the girls were looking for a housemate. And I said, well, I'm looking to move into the city. And I thought, this is going to be fantastic. Jesus, living with women, huh? It started out pretty good, I will say that. So there was four girls in the house and I was living with them. And uh, the first couple of weeks, they were absolutely, it was brilliant. You know, I'd get home, I'd get home from work at about four o'clock and one of the girls would always be home, like they'd all be in college at different times. So one of them would always have the dinner ready or something ready. And I said, listen, I can cook as well. Now, when I said I can cook, I meant I can take the order and bring it home from the takeaway on the way home or from the takeout. 
So, uh, long story short, everything was running harmoniously. And uh, the girls would always tell me, oh, the food's in the oven or the food's in the microwave or whatever. Um, whatever you get home, you can have it. And I'd repay the favour every now and again if they needed to get a lift into town or go to the supermarket or the, the drugstore or wherever they needed to go. I'd bring them, I'd bring them in the car. So it was like, it was an arrangement of convenience. It was great. And I was obviously a hormone-filled 19, 20-year-old young fella. Jesus, living with girls. Um, but it was all going smooth and sweet and absolutely harmoniously. Until about maybe three weeks into it. Now, I got home at about, I'd say it would be about seven o'clock. It was during the week and I was working late, got home a little bit later. I arrived in the door to, where were you? I was like, sorry, what? Your dinner is absolutely ruined. I was like, "Um, I can heat it up, it'll be fine. No, no, it's absolutely ruined. So I walked into the sitting room and the three other girls were sitting there and they all looked at me as if I was after doing the most heinous crime ever. They were like, do you know, we spent all day making dinner and just so you can come home late and to have it ruined. I was like, um, okay. So I said, listen, girls, um, I, I'll leave you to it for the evening. I'm going to go upstairs and, you know, have a shower and whatever. And uh, I got upstairs anyway and for some reason, like, all the towels, all my towels were wet and used and in the laundry. And I just shouted down the stairs and said, um, is there any chance that I could borrow one of your towels? All mine are wet. And I got screamed at. And then I'd done some other stuff and I got screamed at. And I remember I might have thrown a pair of socks on the floor in my own room and I got screamed at. And I was kind of like, what the, what, what's... I, I kind of want to move out of here. But lo and behold, something that young Odrin didn't know is that when girls live together for a while, um, how do I put this? They sync up. They, their monthlies uh, kind of tie in together. So instead of one of them just trying to kill you, Every every 28 days, all four of them were out for my blood because of, well, I'm not going to go into much detail on that one. Um, so the reason I found out is about maybe five or six days later, after getting told I was the worst thing on the planet and it was my fault that everything was going wrong by four girls for four days straight. One of them, she kind of felt sorry for me and she set me down and it was kind of like, do you remember when your parents set you down to let you know where little babies come from? It felt a little bit like that, where she set me down and she said, listen, um, we, we we all had a chat about it and we figured that we've been nothing but a four pairs of bitches. Um, so we need to say sorry to you because you've put up with us for the last like four or five days. And I said, yeah, what, what the hell is that all about? And she told me everything. And I says, right. The next time that that is about to happen, I want you to send me a text message to let me know in advance. And she said, no, I can't do that. I said, please, for my own sanity, because I could do no right. Everything, every everything I did, I did wrong, multiplied by four. Um, so, lo and behold, a few days later, 
I get a text message from Bridie, we'll call her, and she says, just giving you a heads up, we're all feeling a little bit down and a little bit low, and you're nothing but a bastard. And I was like, okay. So on my way home from work, now I stayed in work a little bit later, and on my way home from work, I stopped off at the video store. And I got about four or five DVDs or videos or whatever we had. I didn't think it was DVDs at the time. All rom-coms, chick flicks, all that kind of stuff. And then I went into the local store, the kind of the convenience store, the the, the the shop, whatever you want to call it. And I got, you know the big bars of chocolate? You know the huge, massive bars of chocolate? You know them, you do. I got about five or six of them. Like all different types, like galaxies and dove and all these different different crazy ones. And I got four or five of the big, you know, the big um, bags of Maltesers, um, kind of milk duds, whatever you want to call them. I got about four or five of them. And I walked in the door. And as soon as I walked in the door, I went straight in to the sitting room. And the four girls were sitting there. And I said, I'm not talking to you. I put the DVDs onto the, the coffee table. I threw, well, I didn't throw, I placed the chocolate on their hands and all that kind of stuff. And I just says to them, listen, I know what's going on. I'm well aware of it. Don't come near me for the next three or four days. If you need anything, send me a text message. I'll go and get it for you. But I can't do this again. So they all just kind of looked at me like, oh, I was like, well, now and um so then i was back in the good books again even though i was one of them man bastards so young fellas if you're thinking when you're in college that you want to live with a load of girls just remember there's going to be lingerie everywhere like bras and knickers and everything and they're going to you your your radiator in the house in your room will not have your clothes on it ever your towels will not be yours ever and lo and behold, if you're late for anything, they'll kill you. So just beware. It's great fun, but... So this is going to be a short little story. Um, I did a stand-up comedy competition in London once. Um, Leicester Square Theatre it was. And it was great. It was great to play it. Uh, but it had to be... The rules of the contest was it needed to be five minutes long and it had to be your own material. And that's fine. I had my own material set up and um, there was, I think there was 10 of us in the competition. And as we were going in, the guy says, uh, listen, there's a sign up sheet. Uh, If you want to go first, put your name down first. If you don't, then don't. I was a little bit nervous, so I said, no, I'm not going to go first tonight. Now, I've gone first in many, many shows and emceeing gigs. Obviously, if I'm emceeing a gig, I have to go first. But there was lots of shows that I've done since then where I've been first on, and it hasn't bothered me. But at the time, I think I was only about a year or two at it, and I was a little bit nervous. So I had my full set. Um, It's going to get a little bit blue, so uh, this is going to get a little bit blue, um, but however... So my joke was, one of the jokes was, is that uh, I start by saying, well, my girlfriend broke up with me today, and all the audience go, oh. And I said, uh, yeah, you know, I said it to her, um, I asked her, would it be possible if we tried anal once? Um, 
and and after lots of begging, I go into the story. I have a lot more, but it's like after lots of begging and pleading and all that kind of stuff, she just wouldn't wear the strap on, so we couldn't do Adel. And that was the punchline. Is everybody thought that I wanted to perform it on her, but I wanted her to perform it on me. And that was the punchline to the story. And that was, and I, you know, I had it, I had it fleshed out, and I was going to go off into different tangents and talk about different things as well. But yeah. So I decided that the best thing for me to do was to go fourth or fifth. You know, let the audience get warmed up and then I'll go on to it and it'll be fine. So um, the guy, there was another guy from England. Uh, it, was an, it was an English competition and he went up first and he was talking about this, that and the other. And the last little joke that he said was pretty much word for word the whole I wanted my girlfriend to insert something in my back passage and the audience laughed because the punchline was perfect and I just stood there and I was like I can't believe this now the odds of two comedians making the same joke are pretty darn high and I just stood there I was just in disbelief I was like how am I supposed to do mine now it's the exact same punchline I can't do it so I had three more comics so I had 15 minutes to try my best to make up something or to dig into something there was a load of other jokes that I had that weren't finished they weren't right and I was just like oh god I need to do this and I just jumped up on stage I didn't really have the five minute set that I wanted to do because it was just my my I was in tatters I didn't know where I was what I was doing and I just started talking about being Irish and potatoes and eating potatoes and how we cook potatoes and the fact that we like potatoes so much that we might even put them up our arse. Needless to say, even the people that were at the show that I knew, people that had come to support me, were just kind of, do you know that little golf clap? Do you know that that little golf clap? You know that really horrible, like, uh, well, at least you tried. So, the moral of the story is, if you think you're good enough, even if, no, just, just put your hand up and say, I'll go first. I will do this. Because if I had went first, then the other guy wouldn't have had much to do. Now, we'd never seen each other, met each other, done anything before. It's just a case of, I got this. So, just put your hand up. Because you got this. You definitely got this. Anyway, that's all I have for tonight. Just a couple of little stories that I decided I'll uh, put down on and get the podcast back rolling again. Listen, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, I have been Audren Fitzgerald and you have been listening to Mindset on You with Audren Fitzgerald. If there's anybody that you feel might enjoy this podcast, please, by all means, feel free to share it with them. Um, I would greatly appreciate it, and uh, you'd be doing me you'd be doing me a favor. Listen, guys, thanks very much. It is you that I do this for. Um, I love entertaining people. It's it's what I it's what I, I think it's what I was born to do, and uh, hopefully I will be talking to you on Tuesday or Wednesday because I know it's Thursday now. Uh, so maybe give me a week and we'll get another one out. All right, talk to you later, folks. Bye.